and welcome to the show, Living with Climate Change. Today's episode is going to be about geoengineering. Uh, so let me sum up, uh, summarize the show. Uh, I'll just introduce you to geoengineering, uh, uh, its interesting aspects, uh, why it might be implemented, uh, and then we'll talk about the methods, the main, the main ones, the main methods of geoengineering, and then we will talk about the risks uh, involved in implementing geoengineering. And then finally, uh, we'll talk about the political aspects and the barriers that uh, this type of measure might uh, encounter in the future. So let's get started. Uh, so let me just define geoengineering for you. Uh, it's a it's a large scale measure or maybe a global measure. Uh, to engineer or alter uh, the Earth's conditions, so maybe the atmosphere or the or the albedo uh, of of our uh, land surface, uh, anything that will reduce global warming. So it's it's a measure to offset uh, increasing temperatures. And it is thought of as uh, kind of an emergency measure because of its risks involved that we'll talk about. So first, let's talk about why would uh, why would this type of large scale engineering of the whole planet be uh, needed? Well, let's uh, let's review and, and see where we're at right now. Um, first of all, I'll, I'll say that I think that we have, now we have the West uh, that has, for the most part, we have leveled off our CO2 emissions. Um, so they aren't, we aren't necessarily increasing, but uh, we know that we have from the Paris Climate Agreement, uh, we need to reduce our emissions. We have not done that yet, and none of the countries really have. Uh, so that is still a problem. Secondly, uh, I would assume that China and India will continue to increase their CO2 emissions. It's thought that maybe China will peak in the year 2030 and India maybe later. So um, if you take that into account, you can see that our the atmosphere greenhouse gas concentration is going to go up almost for sure unless extreme measures are taken uh, very quickly. Now how the atmosphere will react to that, uh, we don't exactly know, and I've covered that in another show. Additionally, we have unknowns of methane, of land use, and things like this. So, um, let's look at some slides, but uh, in general, th these will be kind of emergency measures. 
Um, so let's let me show you some slides that let's look at just to review global temperatures over time. Let's first look at this uh, temperatures of planet Earth. Now, if you look at this, now get if you can get a handle on the scale of this graph, look at the far right present time. And you can see that the year 2100 is almost straight up looking at this graph because this is thousands and millions of years. Now, if we look back about 10,000 years, you can see that the temperatures have remained quite constant. Now you see the, the uh, scenarios, the different scenarios of going up 2100, possibly eight degrees Celsius increase. And you can see that is an abrupt climate change, extreme abrupt. Um, this is an extreme warming of the planet that is going on. Now let's take a look quickly at a closer, a, a, a smaller scale and global surface temperatures from 1880 to over to 2000. Again, you can see uh, it's gone up a half a degree at least. Now let's look at greenhouse gas concentrations. Uh, this is what uh, has, has gone up extremely and we know, we simply know that this carbon dioxide increases the greenhouse effect. And so you can see that the current level is extremely high and it's raising and, and it will be up if nothing is done, uh, it's going to climb a lot higher. Uh, so that's just uh, a reminder of where we're at with this. So now I want to talk about the methods that that engineers have uh, devised. And first, I want to talk about the most common, uh, probably the most talked about method, and that's uh, aerosols in the stratosphere. Now, I want to look at, we have an actual world uh, event an example of what would happen if we did this type of geoengineering and that is from the volcano eruption of Mount Pinatubo in the Philippines in 1991. This was a massive uh, earth uh, uh, volcano eruption. Let's take a look at this pictures. Quite dramatic. Uh, this is a you know just an, an amazing thing that happened, and so now when this happened, it lowered the global temperatures for two years, approximately a half a degree Celsius or maybe even a one degree Fahrenheit drop in global temperatures. Take another look at this other picture. And that is from just the aerosols and 
you know, ash and dust and everything that went into the atmosphere. And it created, it, it shadowed the sun. And uh, so we had less sun. Uh, so that means that this is possible uh, to do um, purposely. So let's go. That's enough of that. Uh, those images. Um, so we kind of have an idea what will happen if you if you put and now this is related to global dimming that I will not get into. We're going to have a whole show on global dimming. Uh, but this is the idea of it. You're, 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 you're purposely global dimming the earth to lower the temperatures. Now, this would be, like I say, let's say a scenario that in 2050 that the temperatures have rise so much they're causing major problems in the world. And let's say the global community got together and said, let's implement geoengineering. We have to to save ourselves, right? It almost seems science fiction, but people are continually talking about this, and it may not. It may come to pass that this is what happens on our planet. So let's look at the aerosol stratosphere. Um, if we did that, now the risks of that. One thing they think would happen is that the water cycle would be knocked out of balance. Well, that could be cause a lot of problems. Droughts in Asia and Africa. It could weaken the monsoons. So it could do these things. So you would have winners and losers from this. The other thing that they have studied and that it would, yes, so it would reduce the advantages that it would reduce global temperatures. But at the same time, it would reduce photosynthesis. So the crop yields would drop. And that would offset maybe the benefits of it. So this is why some people have, have ruled this out. And you can see, secondly, this would be, we would do this based on models. Yes, we have this Mount Pinatubo experiment. But we would be doing this based on models. So that is a risk in itself. You don't know what will happen. And in a way, I've thought of this, in a way this would be, you could have effects if the earth cooled too much, you could have global cooling effects. You would have abrupt global cooling, which would not be good either. Would have just as, this has not been talked about too much, but I'm sure there would be pretty serious effects of global cooling abrupt global cooling the idea is that the ecosystems don't have time to re to adapt when things are changed that fast remember the long-term global temperature graph i showed you this is just massive we're just not seeing this this is what causes extinctions these kind of massive events
and we are geoengineering the planet as we speak. That is what we've done in a hundred years. We have raised the, the CO2 level dramatically and that's we've already geoengineered. So we are trying to maybe we'll have to geoengineer geo our way out of this. Now there are new studies also that they think that we that it's always been thought of as this full-on geoengineering and abruptly changing it very quickly and that's what scared people but they're now they're thinking maybe to do this in varying degrees that you can do just a little bit and try to tweak it like in that in those ways and there's been more studies on that uh, I'll link some of these uh, these papers to the to this show okay so uh, now let's look at uh, let's look at some of the methods the the main methods that uh, engineers and scientists have come up with I have this uh, chart let me put that on the screen now uh, so the uh, the methods have been uh, categorized in two different uh, groups the one on the on the left here let's uh, carbon dioxide removal or CDR now this is to allow more uh, heat to leave the atmosphere so that is reducing the greenhouse gas uh, concentration so outgoing long wave heat radiation can get out and reduce temperatures um, in general the pros and cons of these methods uh, the pros is that they they're much safer they have less ecological risks and they actually reduce greenhouse gas emissions uh, now the cons are that these may take decades to reduce global temperatures uh, that's it, maybe not and it's again we just wouldn't we don't really know how the at the carbon cycle will uh, react so this is uh, is kind of an unknown how quickly we would get reduced global temperatures uh, but it's a much safer way and I imagine these things will be implemented as we go they won't be emergency measures so let's just look at some of the methods and we have uh, land carbon sinks for one thing uh, so this is mainly afforestation reforestation reducing deforestation so just having more trees and re not cutting trees down and so they can absorb carbon dioxide uh, the second one, uh, carbon capture and sequestration, um, that is talked a lot about, and that is, it, I think that's related to clean coal, but it's just you do what it says. You capture the carbon as it is being emitted in power plants or wherever, and then you put it back into the ground. So, or you could, this can be done with biochar and then buried 
uh, you could have energy created from biomass and then it could be put back into uh, into biochar and put it back into the ground and I'm sure there's other uh, 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 creative ways that they can do that um, so the next one is ambient air capture now this one is these are large machines and I've seen a, I watched a documentary on this is being done and you know companies are doing this already because they know the, the price of carbon and if they can do this uh, they could make a lot of money from it um, you just have large machines that capture that take carbon out of the air out of the atmosphere and they capture it and they can either put it back in the ground or some of them uh, they will pump them into greenhouses and use that for growing food so this is a very uh, uh, ingenious way of doing it uh, the last main way that they have so far is uh, another one ocean fertilization and that would be uh, adding nutrients to increase the fertilization in the ocean uh, plankton things like that I, I believe uh, and that would increase the ocean's ability to absorb carbon dioxide without necessarily increasing the temperature of the oceans so these are these are ways to reduce remove carbon from the atmosphere uh, by me, by us doing that and humans doing that through large-scale means and these things to be good to be done globally all over the world and I'm sure that they would work if you could get get them to be done uh, so those are the less risky uh, methods and techniques of how to reduce global temperatures and they are they would be expensive but we know the expense of, of uh, not doing anything and and uh, I would some of these uh, you know ocean fertilization stuff like that we, we just don't know what anyway um, I think you can see that it's best to mitigate and reduce emissions than going forth forward and doing this and continually continually emitting uh, so let's look at the uh, the other uh, methods the other group of methods that are called solar radiation management take a look at that chart again now these are the more kind of emergency uh, kind of science fiction type uh, methods that people have talked about so this actually reduces the net solar radiation entering the atmosphere or hitting the planet uh, the, 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 the land so it's 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 reducing the incoming shortwave solar radiation and that's by increasing the albedo or blocking or uh, any way to do it so let's look at the pros and cons now the advantages of this these methods is that it can uh, 
they can reduce global temperatures very quickly as we saw in Mount Pinatubo uh, that's the kind of things that can happen at the same time they can be very risky so that's really and it's it's quite cheap to do so these I'm seeing this at, you know in the in the future if something would happen and, and the world just decided they had to do something that they would try these things. Now the disadvantages that, that we just don't know they have high ecological risks. It just it could backfire, you know, we just simply don't know how uh, how this would uh, uh, play out. Um, another thing is that a lot of these when you implement them they have to be constantly there's continual maintenance and they have to be ongoing continually uh, forever I would imagine uh, the other thing is they do not reduce greenhouse gas emissions so you you know if you stop them in a hundred years you could have a, immediate increases in temperatures that would could be very serious and they don't address the problem of ocean acidification so the oceans would uh, continually acidify and, and that's very devastating on the ocean life uh, so those are not you know that's uh, so let's look at these methods land surface albedo uh, that's now, when we talk about the albedo, that is uh, a measure of reflectivity. So, for instance, if something is white, it has the albedo of, of, of a number one and black is zero. So, obviously, like so, snow, it very highly reflective albedo that cools down things. If you paint roofs white, they don't get as hot. So this land surface albedo methods would be, they've thought of things like painting everything white or putting reflective uh, surfaces all over the deserts and things like this. Uh, the marine cloud albedo, that is kind of called cloud seeding, I believe. And it's, they could have uh, they, they, I think they designed these that they're little ships that are out in the ocean and they shoot up salt water and they, they create clouds. And clouds, you know, uh, have high albedo and they reduce the temperature. If you have a lot of clouds, the temperature reduces. So that's another uh, major, uh, you know, uh, large scale method that they could do. Um, stratospheric aerosols uh, that's you can maybe look at that picture it's not a very good picture but it gives you an idea of some of the methods uh, that's what I was talking about before and that could be done by planes emitting gas aerosols into the atmosphere constantly or by balloons or you know however you can get it up there into the stratosphere um, and that is one that's considered quite a bit. Uh, another one, kind of a 
way out there when it was space-based solar reduction and that's like space mirrors that are actually at the outskirts of the atmosphere to block the sun and reflect out away from uh, which you can imagine if uh, I, I don't know those those are quite complicated methods to try uh, but that's kind of a these are the main ways and people are working on other methods and they changing but I, I believe these are the main methods so this gives you an idea of what the science and engineering community are thinking about for emergency measures with if runaway climate change causes uh, serious issues globally for everyone okay so those are the methods um, now let's look at uh, the risks of those of a, the risk involved with these type of methods so uh, those are ways that you know they've devised that the engineers have devised to uh, reduce global temperatures now I can I think that you can see that a lot of people rely say they just want to rely on science and technology to take care of things and uh, I don't think that's a good way to be in climate change uh, now a few other methods that I didn't mention that are kind of like adaptation but are building walls and levees and things like that to deal with sea level rise and I'm sure you'll see that but that's a type of geoengineering to that's not really to reduce emissions but I, I, sorry that it that is about adaptation but that those are things that might will probably be done too and I think they're already starting uh, so let's look at let's look at the risks of doing these just in general um, now the advantages are that the this could be a quick fix and it's cheap especially the the, uh, the, the solar radiation uh, mitigating devices the second group I talked about um, and you can imagine how much different how cheaper much cheaper that would be than completely changing our uh, energy systems and our entire way of life um, but the disadvantages are that some of these if you stop them you could have abrupt climate change many like several few degrees a year after they'd stopped so that those that would be devastating the climate system and, and actually maybe be worse than climate change so it they're risky and dangerous um, also a lot of these you could never stop um, you know unless they're uh, we phase our energy systems out and, and don't emit anymore and then slowly decommission these uh, geoengineering devices uh, that would be one way to do it um, 
Uh, but and then the other ones are the the oceans will still acidify if you don't if you continue to emit greenhouse gas at carbon dioxide. Um, and you know we're you're relying on models to implement these. Um, um, it, it's. Uh, the water cycle could be affected. And the biggest argument of it is that if if we rely on this, then we don't implement sustainable development and sustainable energy. And we use this as an excuse that we just think if it gets real bad, we will geoengineer our way out of that very quickly. And uh, that is one of the disadvantages of, uh, of these, uh, of just having these methods for backup, that we, we don't want to do that. Um, and like I say, the, these, there would be winners and losers of these things, and it could, it could end up causing uh, droughts and, and hurricanes in some areas and uh, but we, we just wouldn't know so uh, so that's kind of an overview of geoengineering uh, I hope you learned something about it and uh, to sum up I, I you know these things are I think the first the, the carbon uh, The carbon dioxide removal methods, I think we'll probably, people will start using these. Um, but will they be enough? And the, the solar radiation management, uh, big scale, um, uh, to rely on those in the future, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's just quite risky. And there are many people who are against it and they don't believe in it. So, um, I don't know. And finally, let's, you can imagine uh, the international, having an international agreement on this. If we really could geoengineer the temperatures, you would have countries all over the world uh, having their own preferences. Uh, what would the temperature be? And, you know, coming to an agreement on something like this would be quite difficult. Uh, so, the, I don't know, this is an interesting topic. Um, it's not talked about a lot, uh, but I think that you will hear more about it. And I think we're, um, I don't know. Um, it, and it could continually uh, get more sophisticated. And you just never know. We may implement some of these at varying degrees. Uh, there's a new paper out uh, talking about that. And I'll link that. Uh, to this show. 
But this is where we're at with geoengineering, I believe. Uh, I'm sure you can find more about it. Uh, but I hope I've given you an idea of what this is and uh, what might happen in the future. So that's it for this show. Uh, thanks for joining me and comment on this. Uh, I'd like to hear some comments if you watch this and uh, hear what you have to think about it. And uh, uh, thanks a lot for watching and uh, thank you for joining me again. And I will see you next time. Bye.